One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, good day, good evening. Great to be with you guys. Um, Today we're continuing in our Wisdom Field Warrior Series. This is part 14. Um, Getting a lot of questions uh, here over the last two weeks about uh, the message I did two weeks ago about um, the owl and the eagle that, uh, you know, the dream that the Lord gave me about focusing on a certain house. And in particular, there were several questions regarding how do you discern a python in the foundation? Um, what does that mean? What are the indicators? Um, what does what does it mean? Uh, why would the Lord use a python in a foundation? Um, and so these are all good questions. I, I kind of want to center um, the discussion today on answering the questions and to uh, continuing in the in the progress we're making on the concepts in the book Wisdom Field Warriors. If you haven't gotten yourself a copy, um, definitely want to run out and get 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 the uh, get the book. Um, a lot more detail uh, able to be articulated in the chapters of the book on some of these topics. Um, but in any case, um, I want to answer these questions about constriction, particularly. If there's a theology that is being uh, used by the enemy to constrict a person's mindset and ultimately um, a mindset of leadership, okay? Um, Theology in leadership is going to dictate the open use of the gifts of the Spirit and allowing the voice of the Lord to flow versus controlled practices okay and we'll, we'll get into that here in a minute but um just to kind of re- recap the dream that i shared um you know the owl and the eagle in the dream if you haven't listened to the dream i'm not going to review the, the full thing but um in the dream I, I actually i think it's in part 12 if you go back and listen to part 12 but um just to emphasize a couple points in in the dream you know the owl um literally put its wing out and stopped the eagle from going outside um, of the yard. He wanted wanted the eagle, the vengeance of God, the deliverance of God, to focus inside of the house, right? Um, and when you focus inside of the house, then you'll be ready to look outwardly, okay? And so, um, you know, whenever we went inside the house, we went immediately to the foundation of the house and it's at that point where um, the angels started searching for the python uh, spirit the python snake right indicating anytime you see a python in a vision it's it typically means constriction religious control Um, it actually opposes the holy spirit right um the, if, if you understand the concept in the Bible about the anointing, um, the enemy is not afraid of you going to an altar and saying, I believe in Jesus. 
He is afraid of you um, being anointed in the Holy Spirit and entering the kingdom, right? Jesus talked in the whole New Testament, actually, well, actually in the four Gospels, and this theme of the New Testament, um, saying the kingdom is at hand, um, enter the kingdom. He talks about being a, being born again related to the kingdom and being in the kingdom, not simply going to an altar and saying yes. We'll get into that here in a second as well. But um, the ultimate goal was to remove the constriction. What happened when the, when the serpent was removed from the walls of the house? Um, the oil was poured in, the anointing. And when the anointing comes, the walls of the foundation begin to breathe, right? And the whole house is cleansed, delivered, and healed when the foundation is breathing in the Holy Spirit. Oil has filled the foundation walls. And so, you know, being able to discern that was one of the key things that Paul articulated in the New Testament. And in particular, in the um, book of Hebrews, Paul was confronting dead religion, right? And in most of in most of the book of Hebrews, he's he's talking about Jesus being the high priest. There's no need to go through the routines and repetitions of the replica, right? The law of Moses, uh, where they used a dead sacrifice that was powerless. Um, could not bring life. He's talking about Jesus being the high priest, the ultimate um, one who blesses, gives life, and anoints people in the power of the Holy Ghost, bringing people into the kingdom and the functionality of faith and the supernatural in the kingdom. And and Paul, he writes all of that stuff through, you know, from Hebrews 6 um, through really the end of the book um, as a result of him confronting the Hebrews the Hebrew, and, and you know, the word Hebrew, he's talking about, um, you know, the the Jewish people, the people that had experienced Pentecost, right? He's talking to the people who had experienced the supernatural outpouring of, of uh, the, 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 the wind of heaven, the supernatural outpouring of the wind, the, the anointing of God that baptized 120 people in the Holy Ghost in the upper room spilled out into the street. And at the end of one day, you had 2000 people praying in tongues and prophesying and the supernatural was poured out. The church could not be stopped because the church was um, functioning in the kingdom, right? They were um, they were simply they simply received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost. It says in Acts chapter two, verse uh, one to five, it says they prayed in tongues and prophesied. Right. And the supernatural was poured out when they simply received the anointing, received the visions and dreams and prayed in in tongues that drew the visions and dreams. As we talked about um, in uh, our teaching on why pray in tongues. Right. We pray in tongues because the Lord is the teacher. He's the one that speaks to you as a father when the baby cries. Right. When the when you as a son or a daughter cry, you you pray in the Holy Ghost prophecy follows because the father speaks to you in visions and dreams he reveals to you and articulates the flow of things right the walls the sim the symbology in the in the house that i described with the removal of the python um the walls begin to breathe right the wind the 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 presence of the lord is in the house so to speak and so 
Paul is confronting the Hebrew church who had who had who experienced that and started to fall into a trap where they were believing doctrines and establishing doctrines as the forefront of driving a church. And anytime you have doctrines and rules being the forefront of why you gather, you're missing it, guys. When you're when you're coming through the door to achieve the conditions of doctrines, meaning that you're coming in to pay a tithe, you're coming in to um, uh, achieve your required attendance, you're coming in to, um, you know, because if you don't, you're going to get chastised from the pulpit for not being there, right? There, these are all indicators of doctrines and systems and routines, as well as orchestrated um, messages and orchestrated, um, you know, you know, just the path of the of the of the of the sequence of the reason that you meet, right? If if it's mapped out minute by minute, um, worship stops at uh, twenty minutes, no matter what. Uh, there's fifteen minutes left for for uh, you know introductions and you know what's going on this week, uh, collecting uh, collecting ties, and then fifteen minutes for the message and out the door the people go. Um, where's the Holy Spirit in that? Where is the wind? Where is the people gathering to wait to hear the voice of the Lord together to let the prophetic voices discern what the Lord is saying to minister to the new people that are in desperate need that came through that door that day looking for the real Jesus, but what they come and they walk into and they find is a fake Jesus. They find a repetition, a routine, something based on doctrines, something trying to pay uh, the cost of keeping the building open to pay the the pastor's salary um, and and you can define many things that are the are the drivers for keeping a weekly service going that are all opposite of the the real meaning that Christ gave he gave the wind of the spirit the breath of God to do the supernatural the church as we talked last time the whip should be in the church right the whip includes deliverance wisdom and revelation and the voice of the lord is the way wisdom and revelation work that brings full deliverance right this is the vengeance of god breaking the enemies of the anointing the enemies of the anointing are laughing their butts off they are laughing they are literally laughing at the church that has an orchestrated um, meeting time an orchestrated system where there is no free flow of the holy spirit where the the voice of god is not allowed to um, basically be loosed into the church instead the people are in a sequential orchestrated system that paul says is powerless Okay, and when when Paul writes to the to the Hebrews, he says basically, "Hey, well, I'm coming, and when I come, I'm going to be casting demons out because this is what I hear about you." And he says this in in first or I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter five, verse twelve through fourteen. He says, "For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have not come to need milk, and you have." Uh, I'm sorry, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use 
have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, he's talking about discernment being a product of something, right? Being able to discern good and evil is a product of something. What have we learned? What have we talked about for the last 13 or so weeks? Um, We've talked about your reliance on the Holy Spirit, knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, Which which grants uh, revelation and wisdom, supernatural intelligence, which is the way Jesus operated, having visions and dreams, and he equips you to do the supernatural, right? That's called discernment. We talked, uh, I don't know, three or four meetings ago about Jesus being clothed. In, in Isaiah 11, it says that Jesus was clothed in the sevenfold spirit of God. Um, and it says that because he was clothed in the spirit, meaning that he discerned, he moved by what the spirit was doing, right? He moved by vision. He moved um, as he demonstrated in throughout the four gospels. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. And he was moved by what the Lord was saying, right? Today, you're going to the woman at the well. Tomorrow, you're going to the 5,000. After that, you're going back to uh, overturn the money tables in the temple, right? He was driven by uh, the voice. He was driven by the vision of the Lord. He wasn't driven by Scripture, right? Scripture didn't tell him where to go, what to do, how to do it, and everything else. He referenced Scripture. He knew Scripture, but he wasn't led by Scripture. He was led by the voice, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, right? The outpouring on the day of Pentecost, the very gift that Jesus died to give, when he said, do not leave the city, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, right? We've, we've been through all that. And so in this context, um, or, or let me finish my, my point. In, in Isaiah 11, it says that Jesus did not judge by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye, but he judged. He, he's talking about the natural eye and the natural ear. He didn't look to the natural and say, well, This is what scripture says, and I think this is what this means. No, he says he judged with the gift of true discernment. He judged through wisdom and revelation, the revelation of the Holy Ghost, right? I used the example last time of ministering to that woman who was being beat over the head by a Bible, being constricted by a python spirit, and she was condemned all of her life, right? It appeared righteous because it was referencing a Bible. It was referencing scripture, but it was actually it was actually imposed upon her by a demonic power over not only her, but over the church through the doctrine it was using to confine her, to limit her, to require conditions of her. And she didn't ever receive the freedom of the Holy Spirit. She had received the conditions. She was trying to live up to the conditions, right? And so that's the way this church, this church that Paul is talking about, was even though they had experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they were falling back into following routines and doctrines and looking more like the synagogue than the New Testament church. And so in line or in chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 12, he talks specifically about, he says, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle. What is the oracle? The oracle is the voice. Paul is contrasting 
being taught by the the voice, right? When I when I when I tell you all these stories about ministering to people and the Lord sending me places, I am being taught by the Holy Spirit. When I pray in tongues, I'm trusting that the Lord Himself is my teacher. And I let the voice of the Lord dictate the ministry to the people. And the supernatural always happens. It's not if, always. Everywhere I go, you're going to see demons cast out of people. You're going to see people weep. You're going to see, um, you're going to see many people baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues for the first time in your life. You're going to see laughter. You're going to see joy. You're going to see the fullness of the kingdom. And that Paul was trying to point the church back to the oracle. He's saying, you missed it, guys. You missed it. He says, you have, you have come to need milk and, sol- and not solid food. What's the milk? The milk is scripture. The milk is the love letter that's supposed to point to the voice, not vice versa. It's not like, oh yeah, we got this Holy Spirit, but we're here to worship scripture. No. Does the bride worship, worship the love letter or does the, or, or do, yeah, I'm sorry. Does the bride um, just want the love letter? Or does the bride hunger and thirst and love the presence of her husband? It's the husband, right? It's the the lover of her soul. Not just the love letter. Love letters are nice for a time to reveal the in-depth of the fullness of, of God. But God himself is, is, is the full meal deal. The God himself is the solid food, Right? The most powerful sustenance there is, is the Holy Ghost. The one who fuels you, the one who gives you revelation, the one who knows your heart, the one who speaks to your need. Not you trying to read scripture and guess what you need, right? Because that's most of what the church does. They read scripture and think it's the Bible. So it applies to every time and every season in your life. And that's not always true. Okay. The Bible is true, but man's interpretation of when to apply something is not true. And anytime you're applying scripture without the Holy Ghost, it puts weight on men. It put it puts undue heaviness on people. And the revelation that that is articulated is that scripture is often used by the demonic realm to put weight on men. Okay? That that example that I gave you in the last message where um, I was talking about having the vision of the woman literally um, in the grip of a python and being beat over the head by a Bible. That's a real thing, right? The python spirit will do anything to shift a church leadership into routines and trusting doctrines, negating the voice of the Lord and removing all gifts and free flowing of the Holy Spirit and allowing visions and dreams, revelation and wisdom to flow inside of a church, right? And that's why Paul is so adamant here. He's actually angry. He's saying, when I come, I'm going to hunt down your leaders and cast the demons out of you. Okay? He says, because you have removed, you've allowed the removal of the voice of God from being the centerpiece of the church. You missed it. It is not the guy in the pulpit. It is not the guy who's been there 15 years. 
Although you're supposed to honor your leaders and honor people, right? But the centerpiece of the church is not the most articulate guy standing in a pulpit. It's not um, the guy who's dressed the best. It's not the guy or the team that um, can raise the most money or get the most people, okay? It's not even the church that can get the most people. The centerpiece of the church is the voice, the oracle. He says you've lost the first principles of the oracles. The oracles are the centerpiece. The voice of the Lord is the centerpiece. Okay? Paul's actually saying, he says, prepare yourself. I'm coming. And I am going, I have already discerned that you are under the spell of an evil entity, that you have foregone the way of the voice of the Lord. And I'm coming. And he goes on to write in the book of Hebrews, this is what it should look like. This is your high priest, Jesus Christ. The one who speaks today is your high priest. The one who says, come boldly to my throne of grace. The one who sent his Holy Spirit to take you by the hand to enter the heavenly realm now to receive wisdom and revelation, to minister to the people, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, not gather and conform and force the people to follow rules as the forefront of the church. Paul is angry in this in this statement. He's saying, my gosh, you're either doing this on purpose and enslaving the people in dead religion. Or you've actually been so deceived by demonic powers that you're willing to give up tongues and prophecy and the gifts of the spirit and the supernatural. You have actually allowed you've actually removed the oil from the foundation of your house and allowed the serpent to come into your foundation and constrict it and no longer does it breathe that's what paul's saying when he says you've foregone the oracle the voice you have left the you have you because your heart has grown hard and dull and you don't value the living voice the prophecy the words of knowledge tongues interpretation of tongues the the supernatural gifts of the spirit because you don't value them as the centerpiece you have missed it you have missed it why why am I so adamant about this guys because Jesus connects the wind of the holy spirit the breath, the breath of life with the kingdom of god okay when Jesus when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John 3 right um Nicodemus uh Nicodemus is is basically saying what must I do to enter the kingdom right Je- Jesus answers him he says um most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom, right? So to be born again, you, he's talking about visions. He's talking about seeing the kingdom, guys. He's, he's confronting Nicodemus, the guy who was a, a, he was bound in dead religion. He's bound in scriptural worship, powerless doctrination of of the body of leaders at the time in Jerusalem and he's talking um to Nicodemus who is a a guy who puts heavy weights and burdens on the people taxes temple taxes right all these all these different things you have to wash your hands you have to be clean on the outside you have to do all these things right and jesus said jesus isn't jesus is saying no 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 you have to be born again you have to be born of the holy ghost to actually see the visions of the kingdom 
okay, to see the kingdom. The kingdom, Jesus is connecting the kingdom of heaven with the revealing of the vision of the Lord, the voice of God, okay? And so Nicodemus asks him another question. How can a man be born again if he's old? And, you know, Jesus, Jesus points, <laughs> Jesus points to even a deeper meaning of being born again. He says, most assuredly, verse five, John three, verse five, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. Again, he's talking about simply being born of water. We're all born as natural men. But he's talking again as being Holy Ghost, born again, spirit filled, awakened to see the vision of the Lord. Believers, he said, if you are not born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. So not only do you get to see visions of the kingdom, he's talking about the supernatural, that the supernatural should be part of your born again experience where you enter the kingdom. You guys have ta- you guys have heard, heard me say, talk about countless dreams, talking about how the Lord gave me revelation of praying in tongues and taking me into the Holy of Holies to see Jesus face to face. In that encounter where I, I taught you about how the Lord taught me about tongues and praying in tongues, I was in that encounter for hours. I was in the throne room where there was a lot of other impartation and things that Jesus explained to me inside of that throne room. And the point that I explained to you, when was that? I don't know, four or five messages ago um, about praying in tongues and the importance of praying in tongues as being the key to open the heavenly realm. It's a spiritual um, reliance. It is a reliance on the Holy Spirit with an expectation to not only see visions, right, to have wisdom and revelation imparted to you through visions, but you would actually be taken into the spirit realm that you would expect to enter the kingdom. He's not talking about the end, guys. He's not talking about like at the end of the book of Revelation and the second coming, and you're going to be spending eternity um, in one place or the other. He's not saying about being born again and entering the kingdom then. He's talking about now. He's talking about you being born again and no longer being bound earthly to your fleshly limitations through trying to follow doctrines and religions and routines and the conditions of getting in the door to be part of the club at the local denominational powerless church. He's talking about entering the kingdom and you becoming a supernatural force on earth because not only do you see the, see the vision of the Lord, having wisdom and revelation imparted to you in visions and dreams, but you actually enter into the realm of the Spirit, right? Paul, Paul talks about, um, you know, whether in the, in the flesh or, or out of the flesh, I do not know. But all I can tell you is I was in heaven and, and this is what I saw, right? John, the revelator. John on the island of Patmos, he writes the whole book of Revelation as he encounters the Lamb of God. He encounters the Lion. He encounters the supernatural realm of heaven so profoundly, he literally entered the spirit realm, right? And it, it's, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around this, guys, but you are not an earthly physical person with a spirit you are a spirit-filled born-again believer that happens to be um, in a body that no longer limits you 
<laughs> Are you catching me? The, the body no longer limits you because you've been given this ultimate weapon to pray in the Holy Spirit to transcend the limitations of your flesh and enter, not only see the vision of the Lord, but enter the realm of the Spirit to see visions, dream dreams, and be imparted the supernatural, okay? From Christ Himself. So why would you gather just to to conform and go through doctrines and routines and hear some guy stand in the pulpit to tell you some message that makes you feel good and tickle your ears. Why would you do that when you can gather around and minister to each other's needs saying this is what the Lord is saying to you and prophesy the word of the Lord and new people come in and you cast cast demons out of people. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. You do new supernatural things with people and suddenly they their purpose, their destiny is revealed because you chose not to continue following doctrines and powerlessness. You actually gather people around you around the oracle. And that's what Paul's saying saying in Hebrews 5. He's saying the oracle, the oracle, the voice of God is the center of the church, not your doctrines. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying about being born again. You've got to be born again. And if you, if you literally lose your sight, you lose spiritual sight, you lose your mind and go back to your doctrines and routines, you're dead. You go, you've actually chosen to go back to death. Powerlessness. Anything without the anointing is powerlessness. And it is the demonic realm's intent to do anything possible to take you out of the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? They are the antichrist. The word Christ means anointing. You're either in the anointing or you are a victim of the Antichrist who's doing anything possible to take the anointing out of you and out of the church, off of you, out of your the forefront of your mind, right? The, out of you being sensitive to the voice of the Lord and the reason why you gather. And if they can do, if the demonic realm, the python spirit can constrict you in any manner and limit you, he wins. You know Why? First, he does it in individuals, particularly leaders, because you have a big you have a big mortgage to pay. You have a power play to pay. You have a power play to 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 work. You have your your ego comes in because you want to maintain a status of leadership and you have to control the people instead of realizing that an apostolic calling is to empower the people. Paul actually said, the greatest among you will be your servant. And the greatest of calls is uh, the, the fivefold call of Christ, right? A true teacher, a true evangelist, a true apostle, a true prophet. Those fivefold functions actually do everything possible to serve the people and equip the people that they would hear the voice of the Lord and center their life around the voice of God. And I'm talking to you as an apostolic leader. I'm talking to you as a uh, what the true apostolic call is, which is to maintain at all costs the oracle of God in the church. And when I walk into a church, when I walk into a place and I don't see the oracle of the Lord as the centerpiece, I know there's a problem. I know there is a constriction. I know uh, whether it's a Python spirit, whether it's a Jezebel spirit, whether whatever spirit it is, there is something that has manipulated the leadership to center the people around 
um, doctrines and routines and traditions instead of the voice. Because the true apostolic call is that people know the voice, they trust the voice, they sit around the voice, they live for the voice. And because they live for the voice, life and the supernatural flows out of them. Everywhere they go, they cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, right? Why would you gather just to eat spaghetti on, on Sunday evening with, with your family and friends? I mean, why, why, why would you gather and call yourself the church if you're just gathering to, to feel good and, and eat, eat spaghetti dinners? That's what the Kiwanis Club does. That's what, that's what, you know, all, that's what the world does. But if you gather around the voice, you become supernatural. If you gather around the voice, you have visions, dreams, you have revelation and wisdom and deliverance is in your hand because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the kingdom you are truly born again if you see and if you enter. Okay? You with me? (laughs) And so this is articulated in fullness in, you know, Paul's description of of the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Um, he's talking about the spiritual gifts and the breath free flowing in the church. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse one, he says, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That word, that word, um, if, if you look at it, gifts, the word gifts there in the New King James is italicized, meaning that the word gift actually isn't there. It's a description. And the word that's there is the word pneumaticos. The word pneumaticos in the Greek means the wind. He says, now concerning the wind, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Let, let this sink in, guys. Paul was saying, don't be ignorant of the wind. Don't neglect it. Don't disenvalue it. Don't um, uh, neglect it in any manner. Don't disregard it. Don't deny it. He's actually saying, don't he's actually saying as you don't neglect as you're not ignorant of the wind you actually embrace the wind you actually center your house around the wind and he goes on to describe the ways the wind blows right as the ways born again believers as Jesus said in John 3 born again believers embrace the wind they not only see the kingdom in visions and dreams and have revelation and wisdom imparted to them but they enter the kingdom, right? They demonstrate the kingdom. The kingdom is in their hand. They demonstrate the supernatural power of the anointing of God. And they introduce people to the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Spirit, right? He goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, faith, wisdom, uh, prophecy, words of knowledge, the working of miracles, healing, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All of these things are because the people are waiting to hear the voice of the Lord. Let The wind is blowing just like on the day of Pentecost. People are praying in tongues. They are prophesying. And the prophecy is uprooting strongholds, tearing things down, destroying the demonic realm's power over the people because the voice of God, the oracle, is the centerpiece of the supernatural power of the church, right? Not the intent of a guy trying to control from a pulpit. Amen? And so the Father's house is actually 
supposed to be wind-driven. The Father's house is supposed to be supernatural. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to function the way Jesus functioned, seeing the vision and the dream of the Father in John 5.19, right? Being born again and living daily in being born again. And you may say, well, that's cool, but you know, I grew up in this tradition and this is just the way we do it. And, um, you know, I'll say this to you. The Lord actually has sent me places for the sole purpose of getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost. I flew um, um, last summer, actually a year and a half ago now, um, when Sean Foyt was in Portland, whenever we were having all those riots in Seattle, Portland, L.A., and really all across the country, um, uh, my my daughter ended up going to Portland, and I I you know I felt the unction of the Holy Spirit that I should go, and uh, I was literally sitting in um, Pioneer Square, um, sitting there drinking a coffee, um, as I you know I had been walking around town, and I'm asking the Lord, all right, Lord, um, why did you bring me here? What what is what's the mission? I'm sitting there, and um, all of a sudden, I'm watching these two young guys. These two young guys are walking through Pioneer Square, and I'm watching them, and they're witnessing to people. Okay, I can tell they're. I I, I don't know. I could just I could tell they're they're walking up and they're asking people questions. There literally are guys in riot gear that they had been literally destroying the city the night before. Um, you know, it's nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, they're sitting there in their riot gear after tearing down the city all night. Um, and these two kids are walking up to these guys and witnessing to them, which, hey, that takes a lot of courage, um, definitely a lot of zeal. But the question is, are they using wisdom and revelation in their witnessing? Because I can tell you from, from my own experience, I have functioned in zeal for, for a lot of years before I learned the contrast of life and death being in the vision of the Lord, the 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 uh, the the revelation and the wisdom of God um, through visions and dreams, pointing you to impart uh, the supernatural instead of trying to convince people that Jesus is real. Okay, and so I'm watching these two guys, and they're, they're full of zeal, man. They're they're going from person to person, but nothing's happening. They literally. You know, guys are shaking their head at them. They're, they're, you can see them waving their hands like, get that away from me. I don't want any of that. Um, and, the, and the Lord says, he says these words to me. He says, um, do you know why that they're being rejected? And I said, why, Lord? And he says, because their nest is empty. I said, what do you mean? And he says, they've refused the dove. Their nest is empty. And dude, all I can tell you is I knew in a heartbeat. <laughs> I knew in a heartbeat why the Lord took me all across the country to a city that's in the midst of absolute turmoil where the city literally is being burned by fire. And the Lord sends me to address these two young men. I walk up to these two young men and I start asking them questions. I said, hey, are you guys witnessing Jesus? Or, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we just decided to come here. And so I start, start asking them questions to try to understand the, you know, 
what they believe in and everything. And they basically tell me that they're from, you know, they, they believe in Jesus, but they've never don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. They're just zealous for God, right? They, they believe that, that, uh, Jesus is real. Um, and they're just out, you know, telling people, quote unquote, telling people about Jesus. And I said, well, you're actually supposed to introduce people to Jesus. They're like, what do you mean introduce people to Jesus? And I said, you know, I started to talk about the Holy Spirit and, and you know, everything that I've taught you guys on, on this series about Jesus commanding the disciples, don't leave this city, right? I'm going to ascend into, into heaven and I'm going to release upon you the power of the Holy Ghost. Right, Luke, Luke twenty four forty nine. The command is actually don't try to do it without the oracle. Don't try to do it without the voice of God. Don't try to do it without the wind of heaven. Don't try to do it. Don't be ignorant of the Holy Ghost because if you are doing it um, as the Pharisee did it in their own zeal, trying to achieve scripture that talks about me instead of embracing the Holy Spirit and knowing me, there's a huge difference. It's the difference between life and death is the difference between the kingdom of God and, and literally hopelessness and despair and powerlessness. Right. And as I'm telling these guys, I mean, they're like, you can tell the Holy ghost is all over. These guys they are welling up in tears. They're, um, they basically say, yes, we want this Holy spirit. Right. And so I lay my hands on these guys in the middle of Pioneer Square in Portland, Oregon, with these rioters sitting around the the steps. I don't know if if, if you guys have ever been in there, but um, they basically have this big uh, set of steps. It's kind of like a, a half a half circle of steps that goes down into this lower space and. All these rioters are, are sitting sitting there, and I've got these two guys. I'm laying my hands on them, and they're literally getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues and literally having their worlds rocked. Um, and they, they, these kids, they, they hung around us, like, you know, throughout the morning wanting to learn about the Holy Spirit. Their world was changed, right? They literally felt the presence of the Lord. They felt the power of God. They start to pray in tongues. Um, and the supernatural begins to flow through them. And they're like, what, what is this? Whenever you pray for me, what is that electricity? What is that power? Right. And it's just a whole different level of witnessing. It is, it is the real thing. It is Jesus present. It is the anointing of God equipping you, right? That, that now he will speak to you in dreams and visions and your witnessing will be about what he is saying and what he wants to do with these rioters and the people in the city and not just you trying to do the right thing, right? There's a huge difference. There's, it's the difference between life and death. And it's real, guys. And I just I just encourage you um, to embrace the, the fact that it's about the oracle. And, um, you know, the oracle, the voice of the Lord is not something that is like so far away. I mean, if you've never heard the voice of God, if you never had a vision or a dream, I just want to encourage you that it happens in a moment. If you receive the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Ghost, then it is, it, it, it's not if, it will happen. Now, I'll tell you one more story uh, before we close and pray here today. Um, I was in Arkansas a few years ago 
And um, we were doing an equipping session with about 40, 50 people. Um, and um, I had got to a point in, in, you know, praying for people. A bunch of them received the Holy Spirit in the morning session. Um, they were praying in tongues. And literally nobody in the church had ever, number one, never prayed in tongues, let alone ever had a vision from the Lord. Okay. And so we get into the second session and we start to pray. And I started to pray for these guys to receive the spirit of prophecy and to begin to see the vision of the Lord. Okay. And so the next thing that happens is this kid, this, well, he wasn't a kid. He was a young guy in his, in his mid twenties. He's in the back of the group. Um, he raised his hand and he's trembling. He's shaking. I said, "What? What? Ha- what's going on?" He goes, "I just had a vision. My first vision." Okay, so this is the first vision that anybody in the group has had, right? And and um, he, I said, "What is it?" I brought him up front. I said, "What is it?" And he says, "This guy right here." And he's talking to, he's talking about this guy that stumbled in off the street basically to get something to eat. He was he was a local drunk. Okay, he's sitting in the front row. We left him in class because who knows? He could get a prophecy, right? His world could get rocked. Everything could change. (laughs) Well, guess what happened? Justin comes up and he says, I had a vision for this guy. Right. And so he gives this vision and he starts talking about the Lord giving this guy a glass of wine and this guy no longer being intoxicated with the alcohol of the world, but being intoxicated with the alcohol of the Holy Spirit, the ultimate intoxication. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a pretty awesome vision, right? That's amazing, right? Instead of this guy finding solace, a false, um, you know, deadening of his pain in the world, Jesus was going to give him new life, a new covenant, a new a new beginning, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's the symbol of the wine, right? The 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 Lord is with him. And the guy the guy said, I said, can can Justin pray for you? Justin lays his hand on this guy, begins to pray. This guy begins to tremble and shake. He literally received he's he came in buzzed. And he's now praying in tongues from a vision, the first vision this guy Justin ever had in his life, who just got baptized in the Holy Ghost literally minutes prior and prayed in tongues for the first time in his life. Okay, so Justin prays in tongues, has his first vision, and when he imparts the vision to the drunk, this guy's now praying in tongues, completely sober. His eyes are so wide, he's like shaking, he's trembling, and he's going, ah, oh, Jesus is real. He's screaming, he's running around the front of the church. He's like set on fire, he's supernatural. And all of a sudden he runs up to me and he says, I just had a vision. I said, are, are you serious? I, he's like, I had just had a vision. I said, of what? He goes, there's a, there's a woman who's a clerk down at the gas station, down on the corner, a couple blocks from here, he goes, I saw me introducing her to the Holy Spirit. He says, I have to go. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is supernatural, right? Oh my gosh. And so one of the other guys in the class says, I'll drive them, I'll take them, right? They hop in the car and they drive. I keep going in class. Other people are having visions. They pop, are popping like popcorn. This guy's having a vision. What is it? This person beside me 
is dealing with this issue and the Lord wants to give her this, right? And and so these visions are continuing, right? People are, people are being imparted the gifts. The wind of the Spirit is being embraced because the Lord is showing Himself real. He's showing Himself true that if you receive the Holy Spirit, He begins to speak. He begins to give you revelation and wisdom and the supernatural flows through people. And so we're, we're continuing in, in the impartation class and people are being awakened to the gifts of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, guess what? The guy who was intoxicated with alcohol, who's now intoxicated and praying in tongues in the Holy Ghost, him and the driver, they come running back in. They're like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what happens. So I bring him up in the front of the church and he says, um, he goes, I went in and I waited in line because there was a line. She was cashing people out. He says, when I got up to the to the window, he says, I told her the story of what happened to me down at the church. And he said, the Lord gave me a vision for your life. And this, this is what's going to happen to you. He said, the woman fell face first at the cash register, face first on the counter and started to cry and started to talk about um, feeling conviction for the last few weeks that Jesus was called, had a call on her life and that she had been running from him all of her life. Guys, if that doesn't grab your heart, I mean, my gosh, one guy sitting in the back of the church who raises his hand and says, yes, I want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, prays in tongues for the first time in his life, has a vision and a vision, the impartation, the electricity coming out of his hand is so powerful as he speaks this vision that a guy who came in intoxicated with worldly alcohol is now intoxicated with the wine of heaven, praying in tongues and seeing the vision of the Lord that is so real. He goes down and witnesses and follows through on the vision that the Lord gave him. And the woman at the cash register gives her life, admitting that she had been being convicted by Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost for a long time and that this is the thing that sealed the deal. Listen, guys, if you don't wrap your mind around the fact that the oracle is the centerpiece of the church, the voice of God, and the fact that your personal relationship um, is is that when when the Lord's relationship with you, the anointing of the Holy Ghost is the centerpiece of your life and you begin to work and gather with people who are gathering to hear what the voice of the Lord is saying together, you become a powerful force in the town and city you're in because no longer do you just go to church on Sundays to let a guy articulate from a pulpit and you just go, you leave out the door and say, yeah, that was a good message. Nothing really supernatural happened, right? That's just, that. that's actually powerless dead religion. The presence of the Lord is manifest in the voice of the Lord who says, if you gather around me, gather around my anointing, I will show up. I will speak to you. It's not if I will speak to you in dreams and visions. And the supernatural power of the church to tear down, destroy demonic kingdoms to uproot them and to establish and plant the, the kingdom of God as demonstrated by those who see and have entered the kingdom truly being born again, you then begin to pray for people as you see the vision of the Lord and they truly experience the kingdom instead of this fictitious thing we have in America where you're trained to go into churches to do re religious routine things. Churches are supposed to have the whip of Christ in them where the kingdom of heaven is demonstrated in the Holy Ghost and power 
as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and the supernatural force of the Holy Ghost is poured out upon the people through the oracle, through the vision and the dream of the Lord. Amen. And so I just want to pray for you. I know there's people listening to me right now who've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You've never had a vision and you would say, I want that. I just I just pray for you right now. Um, I release the power of the Holy Ghost upon you. I decree that the, the gift of praying in tongues and the gift of prophecy is coming upon you right now in Jesus' name. There is an impartation falling upon every person who's hearing this right now in the name of Jesus. And instead of being intoxicated with the world and powerless doctrines that have imprisoned people and what they thought was the church, you are being freed to see the kingdom, to be truly born again and enter the kingdom in the power of the Holy Ghost. I release that revelation on you right now in the name of Jesus. And if you've never prayed in tongues, just begin to pray. Just begin. There's, you know, a lot of you right now are probably feeling a burning in your belly um, and a lump in your throat. That is the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit indicating to you that he is present with you. And I just encourage you, don't try to think this with your mind. Just let the, the flow of the Holy Ghost go and watch the vision of the Lord be dropped in your heart. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, let the grace of the gift of tongues come upon every person right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that the people right now feel your tangible presence, your hand, the electricity of the Holy Ghost coming upon them, that the impartation of Almighty God the Father is real, that the anointing that Jesus Christ died for to give to His church to make them a supernatural force on the earth, Lord, let that grace come upon every person, Lord, and increase, increased dreams, increased visions, increased deliverance, increased anointing with wisdom and revelation with the whip of deliverance, wisdom, and revelation to cast out devils, heal the sick, tear down principalities and ruling spirits and every supernatural force, Lord. Just as I told the story of Justin seeing the vision of the Lord for the first time and multiplying immediately in the vision, seeing a drunk man made sober in the Holy Ghost, drunk and intoxicated in the wine of Christ, having the vision of the Lord and calling a woman home, to the presence of Almighty God in the sequence, Lord, of a man experiencing uh, the presence of God, the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon them for the first time in their life. Lord, let that grace increase in everybody's life that they would multiply, multiply, multiply that that the seed of life, the true fruit of Christ would be multiplied in the vision of the Lord in the hearts of the sons and daughters of God. Lord, let that grace increase right now in the name of Jesus. All right, guys, appreciate you. Have a great week and look forward to next week's time. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. 
For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.